da 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 You sound insane. Do you realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. For the first time since a couple years, we're talking Pixar. We're talking animation on the Mad About Movies podcast. This is fun. This is a good time. Last time we talked to animation, actually, was earlier this year when we talked Lego Batman. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. With our good friend yeah, Batman. Shane was on yeah. for that one. Yeah. Of course it was. Yeah, had <laughs> Batman in the title. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, was, it was awkward when we had him on for Chasing Superman, though. That was a <laughs> not the best use of his talents, I thought. And it was uncomfortable for everyone. Well, uh, Pixar's at it again. Um, we didn't get Brian's full review of Cars Three, but we can do that right now <laughs> if you want to do that with the, with included in this episode. It's like a little bonus. We didn't it we didn't fine. get to do an episode on that one, so yeah, we didn't get to. Yeah, yeah. didn't get it's to. Fine, it was fine. Have a kid <laughs> and you great. will hate Cars so quickly. It's just every kid from two to four loves Cars, and you're just like, man, I I would rather you watch like. The Shining, like anything, literally anything other than cars. Human centipede, it is, Coop. <laughs> yeah, but Sit like the fifth time, it's like, I, I can't Fun take intended. it anymore. I can't take it anymore. So, wow. Cars 3 was fine. I'm glad it's done, and I probably won't ever have to take him to see another Cars movie. And, and Do you have it on uh, Blu ray? We have the first one on Blu ray, and it, um, another thing that you'll find out when you have Because Coop that, only, he only can do 5.1 surround sound. Like he doesn't, yeah. he's not yeah, yeah. a stereo. He doesn't slump. start throwing up violently. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. he can only he, do full surround. <laughs> he doesn't slum. Yeah. I, I hide the movies that I don't want to watch, uh, pretty quickly. And I'm just like, Oh, I don't know, man. I, I can't find it. I don't know where it is. And then this is terrible. This is awful parenting. And then he'll be like, you know, be like, well, we got to look for it. And where is it? And all this stuff. And I, I will say, I'm not in charge of your movies. You're in charge of your movies. Where did oh, wow. you put it? And Power then, move. I know. I know. And then he's just like, okay, fine. We'll watch something else. So it's good. it's good parenting. Probably. Yeah. I don't know if that's genius or awful, but I like it <laughs> yeah. either way. It's funny. It's a lot of that. Um, yeah. Wow. When he chops up his second girlfriend, we'll, <laughs> yeah when he puts me in the bad home uh i'll have deserved it most likely i used to tell my mom when i was little don't worry i'm not going to put you in the i thought it was reasonable economics you know like looking at our our financial situation but i told her look i'm not going to put you in a bad home uh mediocre yeah at best but not like the worst one she always thought that was amusing I was a reasonable kid, but yeah, that's terrible. So did you just not buy? Did you tell them that Blu-rays have been discontinued and Cars Two and <laughs> yeah, Cars Three are yeah, not available? Yeah, did you Far, explain yeah, the format war to them yet? Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. listen, oh, this sorry. technology is not yeah. not catching on. So look, Disney's going to launch their own yeah. streaming service yeah. at one point. So why am I going to waste any more money on a Blu-ray when exactly. that streaming service is going to bust in 2018 yeah. at seventeen dollars yeah. a month? And I mean, you're going to have all the cars at your fingertips. So exactly. what's the point? Yeah, it'll it'll have. I'm sure he'll get Cars Three for Christmas from somebody, and I'll put that person's name on a list. And <laughs> Kent, uh, buckle and up, we'll giddy up, <laughs> as Kramer would say, because Kent and I just made an Amazon order in yeah, our exactly. in our joint account that you don't know yeah. about. Yep. <laughs> that we use this money for just to prank just you with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's our prank account. It's um, at Wells Fargo, so it's been hacked, but still pranks you pretty hard. 
So I have ranked my Pixar movies uh, on Letterbox oh. this week, kind of in preparation mm. for Smart. for this. Look at you. Um, but the Letterbox is pretty cool. If if you haven't checked it yeah. out, Google it, sign up. It's a cool way to kind of keep track of movies you watched and rank movies and review them and keep an, a list yeah, to yourself. Come find us. Come find come us over find there. Us you're on there. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, find out later in our review where Cars ranks on the list because spoiler alert. Not very high. Um, <laughs> speaking of lists, we're going to talk American Treasures tonight, which we have not done Yay! in a long time. And a very special edition of that coming your way very soon. Brought to you by the VIPs. And the VIPs voted on their American Treasure nominee, and they're bringing it to the table for us to vote on. Us three, Kent, Brian, and Richard. So, I guess without further ado, we should just jump right into American Treasure Talk and any movie news rumors rumblings that we have to hit yeah. before this or uh can it all wait? We talked a little bit about the National Board of Review awards in our episode on Lady Bird that we released mm. earlier this evening uh in conjunction with this episode on Coco. So if you're interested in that interested in that conversation Richard and I had it. Uh Brian, you saw Lady Bird though. I did. You yeah. it, you, would you Sorry, give it a uh, make the, thumbs uh, up or thumbs down? Oh, super thumbs up. Okay. I was very high on it. Yeah, I, re- I liked it a lot. It, it kind of reminded me of uh, like the the one sentence review for me would be uh, it was kind of like the uh, the indie version of Orange County with a little ah. Easy A and Napoleon Dynamite mixed in. So yeah, I loved it. I the, thought it was really good. Neither of those titles came up in our review, so we, we compared well, it to other stuff. That. So it's Thanks a, very... a lot, Sudafed, for keeping me out of that one. <laughs> I'm just, I'm dying. I'm like, it's okay. I, I sound so much better today. If you listen, if our VIPs listen to uh, broadcast news earlier this week or <clears throat> later in the week, if you listen to our our Mad About Sports podcast. I sound like I'm on death's door yesterday. Today I'm a little better, but I was just like, I don't think I can do <clears throat> four episodes in, in 24 hours. So anyway, I apologize. I didn't but, think I yeah, could I, either, I liked it a lot. but yeah. my voice is fine. Just mentally, you two are <laughs> a lot. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, uh, what did you guys fair. think of Lady Bird? Give me the 10 second review for both of y'all. We both, ter- then I don't ter- both were positive. Episode. Richard, if, okay. Richard said it wasn't historically accurate to Lady Bird's actual life so <laughs> did not get a recommend from him he's the lbj historian on the mm-hmm. show so yeah of course yeah okay um so we are gonna talk all things coco tonight for sure but without further ado let's talk american treasures we have a little hall of fame on the uh on the show if you only listen to mad about movies for a short dwindling period. Hall of Fame. The Dwindling Hall of Fame. <laughs> and we'll explain. Um, if you've only listened to us for a short time, uh, we have a little Hall of Fame. You might have heard us mention American Treasures on the show before in passing, but we have a little Hall of Fame on our website where we keep track of actually the people we have dubbed American Treasures, and it's based on a criteria of how long they've been in the business. It has to be at least 25 years, or uh, how old they are. They have to be at least 50 years old in most cases. Um, they have to be an American citizen. And they have to have a sense of humor about themselves. So that's the criteria. And best two out of three wins. Two of us have to vote them in for them to be an American treasure. And Richard mentioned dwindling list because uh, as of late, we've had some former American treasures that have, that, have, that have been pulled out or fired, if you will, from the American Treasure Hall of Fame. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we rip. So we're we not going to zero. We have zero tolerance. We have zero so, tolerance. Yeah. Um, and so guilty those, till proven innocent. Those people shall remain nameless, and they shall never be mentioned again on the show. Uh, unless yeah. forced to. So we don't even want to draw attention to the fact that they were removed, but they're and gone. send your vest back, Brian Williams. Send it back. It's been two years. <laughs> and we're not paying for shipping. To answer your email, we're not paying for shipping, Brian. So just email it back. I think I Brian mean, Williams is back. back. Is he back in? No, but he needs to mail his vest back because we could use it for, oh, yeah. you true. know, future we ATs. Could use, no, we could use it for someone like, like, the, well, well you can't, I saw Kent's list, Harvey Weinstein. Like, what? you know, no. we could put... <laughs> what? Whatever. Oh, crap. It could, Breaking news. It has to be somebody with B. Williams, because it says B. Williams in Old English font on the back, uh, embroidered. So That's fair. The, um, the Old English embroidered. Uh, I mean, well, it adds congratulations. a great touch, The American part's a stretch, but congratulations, classical guitarist and former Yankees center fielder, Bernie Williams. <laughs> Bernie Williams. You're in. You're in. <laughs> American treasure. So, Brian, oh. you got two choices. You uh-huh. mail us the vest back, or no. you mail it to Bernie. That's it. <laughs> Bernie Williams or us. So just, I know you listen, and you can play stupid, and stop, you know, ignore all my my sternly worded legal, you know, letters that I'm sending. <laughs> certified. I know you're getting them. They're certified. But I need the vest back. You cannot wear it. We will file a lawsuit. So, okay, sorry. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I say keep it, Brian. I'm I'm on Brian. team Brian Williams. Oh, yes, way, keep yeah. Brian. It's a fraternity. <laughs> it's you, Brian Singer, and Brian Williams. <laughs> oh, I don't want to be in that. <laughs> well, club. you're in it. You're in that club. Speaking and you guys of, all hang um, out together. Uh, <laughs> R.I.P. Bison Dealey. Though. The after That's party awesome. is great. The after party is is lit after every time. Yeah, um, it's on an island. Speaking of American treasures. Our VIPs actually get a little American Treasure themed gift for Christmas oh, that we have so previewed, about and this. it is awesome. Yes. And I have it it's in so my cool. house right now, and I'm looking at it, and it is great. And so, if you're a VIP club member, maybe you'll get that uh, as a little gift and thank you from us. But um, okay, so we have each prepared our nominees for the evening, and they can be actors, actresses, public figures, people that have been in the uh, public eye for at least 25 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I think we should start. The biggest thing. Yeah. They got to have a sense of humor. About sense of themselves. humor. Yeah. That's that the is the biggest number one thing. Yeah. That's always the biggest. Um. So and not like six sexual harassment assault charges. Right. That's the second biggest thing. Is <laughs> not be a sexual predator. That's we should have made. Says that the guy who voted in Bill Cosby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, all, right. all right. Honestly, whoever I bring to the table should probably be scared, like because I have a bad track. <laughs> yeah. Record. You know. <laughs> Uh, okay <laughs> let's um let's go with uh i guess we'll go with our brian gill nominee first and then we're gonna okay. get one from the vips and richard and i so brian it's good uh this person's been on my list for a very long time mm-hmm. but uh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in come december he becomes very re- we're reminded of how important he is in our lives is it santa um, American Treasury Santa. Honorary. We have no clue. He's American. Yeah, what does his passport say? Is it North Pole? (laughs) In America, it's Chris Kringle, I think. Chris Chris is super. Yeah. When it's Tim Allen. Um, (laughs) By the way, stop submitting Tim Allen for American (laughs) Treasury. Yeah. Yeah. That one. There's maybe no no one who has a less of a sense of humor about himself than Tim Allen. We got to stop. We got to stop that as a suggestion. Uh, But he grunts. in, In Toy Story. Um, 
Okay. My uh, my my nominee uh, has been one of my favorites for a very long time. He, I think, very very much personifies the sense of humor about oneself, maybe as much as as anybody in our beloved Ooh, wow. Hall of hmm. Fame. Uh, he's always a lot of fun. He always seems to enjoy his time with uh, with the fans and makes does bits and has lots of fun with them. And I think that's great. And he's very much leaned into. Um, the persona that he has uh, amongst uh, the, you know the fans and the viewers and whatnot, which is a big part of it as well. Uh-huh. So I'm gonna bring to the wait, table. Wait, 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 wait. Let's guess. Let's guess based on okay. based on the clues. Richard, who is mm-hmm. it? Jason Derulo. <laughs> no. <laughs> how did you know? No. <laughs> Among the I fans, have no clue hmm, so it's would, somebody yeah. that's mm-hmm. franchisee. Yeah. Is it? Um, mm-hmm. Okay, we've got Harrison Ford's already in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Am I on the right track as far as Star Wars? Maybe. Huh. I don't want to guess it. Okay. But go well, ahead. Here we go. Go ahead, I guess. American Treasure Mark Hamill. Ooh. That's who I thought it was going to be. I was going to say. Oh, that is who I was going to say. I should have should have said something. I was going to have gone with your gut. I was going to say James Earl Jones, but, um, <laughs> all right, Brian, I've got a really good go with your gut theory for you okay. off air that only right. you will appreciate. I ran it by Perfect. Russ as a beta earlier, but I think it's really going to make you laugh, but it's hyper specific, <laughs> not interesting at all to the podcast. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Awesome. Um, so yeah, so he's Luke Skywalker. He's the Joker. Good start. Uh, huh. he seems like a cool bro. um, He's creepy in when he wants to be. He's, <laughs> yeah. Right, he's creepy. In the right ways. In sure. a fun way. I don't mean that. Uh-huh. Creepy isn't always negative. He's Christopher Walken is creepy and he's an American mm-hmm. treasure. Um yeah, I would I would vote I would vote mm, Hold on, hold on. I'm looking at his dossier here. I think maybe for me the thing that puts him over the top beyond just the fact that he's Luke Skywalker is right. um his presence at cons and the various bits that he does with uh with fans and autograph seekers and stuff like that. Oh. I, I appreciate somebody who even like Harrison Ford, who is an American treasure, went on about a twenty five year yeah. run where he just kind of didn't want to acknowledge Star Harrison Wars. Harrison Ford or, woke up on the wrong side of the bed for like yes. twenty nine yeah, and a exactly, half years. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Six days and seven nights sounds better than hanging out with you yeah, nerds. Exactly, exactly. I'm on an island with Anne Hache. <laughs> but Mark Hamill's always leaned into that. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen um, his autographs. Like Occasionally somebody will bring like an old Star Wars trading card to a con to get his autograph. And he always signs it with some kind of weird, uh, like a caption or a thought bubble or something like that. And it's always really funny. And, I don't know. He's he's got a strong. Uh, I think he's got a strong case for just um, just for the bits and whatnot that he does. On top of being, you know, Luke Skywalker. Yeah, he stayed pretty relevant over the years, despite Luke. I mean, he's done mm-hmm. he's done stuff outside of that. He's done a lot of stuff with the uh, CW and yep. their Flash series, and he was in I think Kingsman a couple years ago. Mm-hmm, and he's mm-hmm. done a lot of TV work. Um, tons of voice work. Tons of voice the Joker work, on right. Batman animated, you know, that kind but, of stuff. I mean, he he has simultaneously not let Luke Skywalker define his career, but also super embraced the character and realizes that 99% of what he has is because of that. And sure. it has never really... I mean, 
Han, uh, Harrison Ford always used to like hate Han Solo for years up until like, yeah, up until the force awakens pretty much. He didn't want to talk about it. He was done with it. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, that was in my past. I want to talk about what I'm doing now. And now, now he super embraces it and yeah. Indiana Jones and everything. Um, Mark Hamill's embraced it the entire time. And that's really uh, endearing about him. So he gets my vote. Really great sense of humor about himself too. I saw a thing he did. I don't even know. I think it was on Instagram, like scrolling through Instagram on like an ad they had for Star Wars for the new rides in Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And like he did a thing where he like surprised people on the ride as Luke, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it was super, you know, I'm sure there was like, all right, listen, you're going to go and there's going to be people there and you're going to surprise them. You know, it's just one of those things you kind of have to do. But he made it like super cool for the people that were there and totally played it up and everything. And he, you know, it's just one of those things you have to show up for if you're an actor or whatever. But he made it cool. And it's just like, he didn't have to be that nice about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's definitely an American treasure quality is uh, going above and beyond the Call of Duty. So yeah, yeah, Mark Hamill, AT in my mind. Boom, stamp of approval. So boom, two out, Our- two out of three, three out of three. Wow. RBG vote yes. I don't know if we ever. If I, I well, I'm heard. still reviewing the dossier. <laughs> okay, good. Like a file scene. Uh-oh. Well, Can't yeah, get angry. yeah. No. Look, <laughs> I have spent weeks now. Um, really, I've hired I've hired a PI, and I've looked at all potential American treasures, and I I have to um, <laughs> I have to make sure there's no you know poor behavior in the past. Um, <laughs> right. Especially when it's a Brian Gill nominee. And uh, <laughs> and the, I'm on page 67 of the dossier, and I see nothing. So, I want you guys to listen to this. It is stamped approved. I approve. Awesome. Look at that. Wow. Fantastic. Mark, your vest is on the way, Mark. Hope you like Old <laughs> English. Okay. <laughs> Let's get one now from Kent. So I have one that is an actor, just typical actor, Hollywood type person. And I have one that's less actor, more public figure, but probably more debatable. Which one do you want to go with? Ooh. Uh, let's get... There's probably a better chance that the uh, normal nominee will get in, but there's a okay. better chance that it won't get in, but there's more debate. <laughs> So how much okay. time do we want to spend on this? I guess is my, what I'm asking. Let's. I'm go. good either way. What do you What do you think, Richard? Wait. What do you What, what are your options? nominees? Are you, I you want my bring, nominee. Yeah. What is your nominee normal or is it public figure? It, it's normal. It's an okay. actor. All right. I'll go public figure then. I'm gonna play it a little right. risky. Let's this do is it. somebody who's been in the public eye for decades in their given profession. Uh, certainly has had a big influence on film uh, for decades, not just uh, recently or in the past. Uh, this is somebody who's considered among the best at their craft. Uh, this is somebody who has probably reached the pinnacle of what they can do in their profession. Uh, this is somebody who has been in the news very recently, in the past couple months, numerous times. We've talked about him on the show, actually. And it's somebody who I'm shocked has never been kind of uh, brought to the table before. But the one debate is sense of humor about oneself. But I'm Ooh. sure you guys would know more about this than I. I. I certainly seem to think through pop culture and things like that that he's embraced who he is. and uh, But also 
kind of takes pride in himself. So that's that's the debatable thing. Um, any guesses? I have no clue. I'm excited. I have no idea either. Uh, I present to you American Treasure nominee Stephen King. Oh, we get that one suggested quite a bit. It's tough. I don't know. I don't know how he is. He's so secretive all the time. <laughs> but he's, a, I mean, his super influential writer in mm-hmm. su- numerous genres. We've seen The Dark Tower and It just in the past couple months that we've talked about be remade and redone. And his material is always being talked about and revisited. And he's always putting out new stuff. Um, but Sense of Humor About Oneself, like I've seen him do The Simpsons and some other things. And he seems to have a good sense of humor on Twitter about things, but I don't, he's, he's sure. never really out there in terms of parodying himself or anything. So I don't know about that. Um, I know he hated the shining, the Kubrick's version because it wasn't accurate to the book, but Kubrick wasn't mm-hmm. going for that. So I can understand why he'd be upset. So I don't, I don't, I don't know how I feel about him in terms of that, but uh, he definitely has the American treasure career and influence. So what do you guys think? Sure. You know, I'm a big fan, um, probably more so, not probably, definitely more so because of his short stories uh, and and the book he, I suggested, I recommended earlier this year, his his memoir on writing is mm-hmm. one of the best books I've ever read on on a creative process. Um, he's got, he's always had, I think something that speaks to his sense of humor about himself is if you read that book, it's not so much self-deprecating um but he's very willing to kind of say this doesn't this didn't work or here's what i wrote then and it's it's, if i wrote it now i would do it this way instead and things like that that i think um i think that lends itself to the idea that he has a pretty good sense of humor about himself because otherwise you just kind of get into the the mindset of either one or the other either um i i was right and i'm always right and that's how it is or the George Lucas syndrome of like, I'm just going to keep tinkering with it. You know, like he's not putting out a new edition of the shining or something right. with something changed and things like that. Um, so yeah, I've, I think he's, he's always great on Twitter and, uh, he has, uh, I, I have, I have always appreciated about him kind of his, um, I don't know how to put his just, he kind of just lives a simple life. He's stayed true to who he, who he is. I don't think he has, doesn't seem like he has much of an ego about himself, which is something. I think again, that kind of lends itself to, to the, to that same thought. And I love to something that's always been super cool about him is that he will always, he has always had like a standing offer, um, for any film student to take any of his shorts and turn it into like a student film, um, at no cost or like at a dollar or something like that. And really, and that's his whole bit. I'm it's like, yeah, send me a dollar. I'm do it's it. fine. It's, he, it's great. He's always been great about it. That's how like Shawshank Redemption got made based on kind of that same idea mm-hmm. of like Frank Darabont, who wasn't really a student, but the same kind of thing was just like, yeah, it's fine. It's a short. I don't really, you know, take it, go with it. And so, uh, so yeah, he's got my vote. I, I'm a big Stephen cool. King fan. And I didn't I, know that. I know I, we've probably gotten that emailed into us a dozen times over the last couple of years. So oh, that's he's, cool. Uh, he's a, He's a definite for me. How about you, RB? Okay. Yep. No. <laughs> File tough. three. File three. The second one in the back. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Leroy. Um, Stephen King, American Treasure. Nice. Wow. I like it. Went over the files and the dossier. It's the cleared. dossier. It's good. 
Clear. Clear. <laughs> as far as we know. Maine, though, pretty far up there. I'm just going to say I'm suspicious. Things don't get reported, <laughs> but for now, he's in. Yeah. I think he's too much of a hermit to have been in public that much to mess around with that many people, but that's uh, that's yeah. me. But uh, So, favorite Stephen King book? What do you guys, what's your favorites? Oh, mine is, is the memoir. I think that's, honestly, yeah. I know it's weird because of what all he's done uh, in in narrative, but that that to me was better than anything he's ever written, horror or short story or anything like that. It's it's just so it's so good. Cool. Uh, my favorite might be The Shining. Honestly, mm. it's a great book. Sure. Um, I like Misery a lot too, as a book and as a movie. Yeah, yeah Misery's cool. Uh, what I've about only you, read Richard? I've only read Misery and then on writing. I haven't read. I'm I'm not uh, particularly deep. Into the King. Oh, I read the uh, the Kennedy assassination one that they made the Hulu. Uh, 11, oh, yeah. Yeah. 11, yeah, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. He's just yeah. such a great stylist, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's fantastic in that regard. But um, yeah, no, he's he's he. I think with the Simpson stuff alone, I think that qualifies. Yeah, good point. It totally. is borderline Kent, though. Yeah, it was it was tough because um I didn't I didn't know about his personal life, but you guys you definitely have enlightened me on how he has embraced who he is and uh totally that's really cool about the student films. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, wow, another AT. I thought that was going to be the one that got knocked out of the four that we're bringing to the table. So wow, we're on a good track record so far. Steve Hope you like American flag lining in your vests <laughs> and old English. We know you do. We know you love that. All right. Um, so let's go with Arby's nominee. All right, guys. The following American treasure is someone, which is rare for us, because I think it's sometimes hard for someone who's known for mostly comedic work uh, to then show a sense of humor about oneself because it's kind of expected. It's easier for someone maybe known for dramatic to be fun. This is someone who is known for mostly comedic work. However, it's always been as a straight man hmm. in that comedic work for the most part. Uh, but someone who over the last few years certainly um, is has definitely shown, I think, with some of his selections of roles, an American treasure side. Um, and is someone who is in, I think, a very American treasure relationship. Hmm. Any guesses? David Spade. (laughs) You nailed it. It's actually Rob Schneider. You were so close. (laughs) You're so close. I I don't know. It's tough. I'm going to go ahead and nominate American Treasure. And this is key considering a show that a lot of us have been watching lately. American Treasure. Edward Bridge Danson III, also known as Ted. Yes. Ted Danson. Yes. I'm so glad you went that route because that was my. I went back and forth. I couldn't decide Ham or Dancing, but yes, great, great decision there. I don't know how is he in his personal life sense of humor. He's. I guess Mary, he does Mary Steenburgen. Steenburgen yeah, you know, she's, they do a she's bunch of funny lovely. bits. He plays a hilarious version of himself on Curb. Mm-hmm. That takes a sense yeah. of humor. He's willing to fake a divorce for comedy of himself. <laughs> yeah. I think sure. anybody who goes on curb and basically plays himself is probably an American treasure. Let's see. That's a great, uh, and he's indicator. not even a fun part on curb. He's just like uh-huh. a yeah. douchey yeah. version of himself, which is so funny. <laughs> like he's just yeah. Larry's foil for 10 years. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
He's great. He's so good on the good place. He's yeah, that's I mean, the other role too. And he, of course, he Becker. makes it. I think that's yeah, all he's done. Sure, is that it? Yeah, that's, that's all of his. Only, and that CSI, yeah. CSI Cyber, right. or whatever that one. He was. Yeah, let's let's. We don't have to mention that. That's fine. <laughs> you saw every episode, though, right? <laughs> CSI Cyber. Is it Bones? No. Okay then. Oh man. Yeah, Ted no. Danson uh, is. He's up there for sure. He's great. He's he's, he's great. better by the day. I mean, this last curb just this week, he was <laughs> he was glorious on it. So um, I'm so f- excited for Brian to watch the new season. We're gonna do an episode on curb, guys. Brian is is almost yeah, live yeah. minus the new season. So you're in mm-hmm. for a treat, my friend. I'm excited. I'm gonna binge hard the next four days <laughs> to get through it before the finale. Ted Danson gets my vote. But uh, yeah, fatwa. F- fatwa? <laughs> How have you seen this this week's Richard? Yeah, we can't spoil for Brian though. Yeah, but how long? How much? How long do we have to wait until Lin Manuel Miranda becomes an AT? Because <laughs> yeah, oh he's yeah. glorious. And, yeah, he and, in this season, he's incredible too. Um, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, it's uh, it's impressive. So yes, from Kent. That's yes for me. Mm-hmm. And Brian, your vote that big doesn't matter. Yes. Yeah, big yeah. time yes. Yeah. So d- American Treasure. Wow, four for four or three for three. We've got one more. We've got the listeners nominee for mm-hmm. American Treasure. So the VIPs so, voted, and they narrowed it down. Or who, whoever received the most votes was the top four. The top four was yeah, Sigourney the top Weaver, four, right? Sigourney Weaver. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, Adam West. Um, Jim Carrey. Who is Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey got several votes, and then technically the next top voter was was Bob Barker. But in light of all the people that we've bumped off of this out of this Hall of Fame, just didn't feel like Bob Barker was a safe yeah, choice. There's definitely uh, some stuff. There's for Bob definitely Barker. some skeletons there, given that what we 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 do know about. Anyway, it was just it just I didn't want to go that route. It just felt like not a great idea. The number one person that we have had nominated, there's just through like emails and tweets and stuff like that over the how many years? Five years? Four and a half? years that we've been doing this show by far the number one person that we've gotten suggestions for uh is the person that uh ultimately won the poll so uh for from the vips uh we are bringing to the table for our debate we we could say no we we have said no in the past so we could do it again um american treasure samuel L. jackson yeah hmm. it's tough man it's tough um here's where i fall on this He's kind of a one-trick pony uh, in a lot of ways. He does a, a bit uh, where he screams really loud and cusses a lot. I mean, that's his brand. I understand it. Same. Um, Same. Yeah. It's your brand, and with, especially <laughs> with your church group. I mean, it's super popular. <laughs> super cutting edge what you're doing with cussing in church groups nowadays. It's like, that's what draws the crowd. Um, I understand what he does. Uh, I think that qualifies him for a sense of humor about oneself. Because he embraces that part about him. And I remember a story where that one, I've had it with these mother effing snakes on this mother effing plane line, <laughs> was like, he was like, I'm not leaving the set until you let me say that line. Like, he, because he, he knew what he was selling at that time. And so I kind of think that's funny, but I don't know anything about him outside of um, what we know publicly that he's. I don't anything know anything about it, his personal life, anything like that. So mm. can't can't attest to that. So yeah, he know. kind of is a version of uh, of that character in real life too. If you look at his Twitter, it's a lot of mm-hmm. 
caps, that. all caps, exclamation all, all points. All caps, yeah. I mean, he's kind of owned, which is maybe an American treasure mood on move. Honestly, like you know, I can't, uh, I can't definitively <laughs> say that it's not. It's kinda, right. I don't have time for that shift key. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, thought you were going another direction there. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have to say, um, but yeah, so it's it, it is hard to say on that front, but uh, but. Gosh, this is tough because it's hard to tell if it's self-parody or sense of humor about oneself. It's a fine line. But, man, I got to go. I got to vote yes. I'm going to vote yes. So how do we do this? So we still have to get two-thirds of our vote. So this is an actual real vote Mm -hmm. because there's not Mm -hmm. the nominee's vote as a yes. So we've got to get two of the three of us. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to – I'll be first. I'm going to kowtow to 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 the VIPs. And say Samuel Jackson, American Treasure. I mm. will. I remember this being a conversation. I feel like we had this conversation. And he didn't get in. It was. I can't yeah. remember why. I know. I think it was. I know. Yeah. I brought Sigourney Weaver to the table, and she didn't get in the first time around. I don't feel like. Why well, not everyone's first ballot, man? Yeah. Why didn't? <laughs> that's true. Why didn't Samuel get in? I'm trying to think. I don't know. Maybe one of our. I don't remember. Will have it to was. Come back. Yeah, it was several years ago, and I, because we've been doing this for a long time now. How about that? Um, Almost we can five say years in a month, boys. Ago. It's crazy, crazy. I will say this: I, I think there's been times where he has ventured too far into the kind of curmudgeonly territory, and I feel like over the last couple of years, he's. I think he I, just. Maybe oh, there's what it was. Old. He had just know, come off. Of, I find him more endearing now than I than I. Yeah, used he had to. just come I, off of J- Django. I think. And the last thing we had okay. seen him in was that really angry mm-hmm. character. And we were just like, I don't know. This, this guy's scary. I don't think he's an American <laughs> treasure right now. And uh, I think now, spe- all the stuff that's kind of happened in the past. Remember when he dropped the F-bomb on SNL like a couple of yeah. years ago or something? Yeah. Like things like that that he just had no shame about that were funny. Um, I don't know. This one's this is tough. It, this is debate. Yeah. It's not an open and shut case, but I, I, you know, like once a year he has some kind of, it seems like he picks a fight with somebody once a year where you're almost always like, you're on the wrong side of this fight. I don't, I don't know that this is going well for you, but the question is, in some ways I kind of like that he's out there picking fights with people and you got to give him this. It takes, I think it might take an American treasure to pull off that hat. Yeah. He's kept Kangol in business for the past 25 years. (laughs) Kangol would not exist without him. Yeah, um, yeah. The question is, is can he turn it on and turn it off? Is can he be like going to Samuel L. <laughs> mode where he's like, all up in your face, what are you doing? And, and then just like, hey, I'm Sam, you know? Or is it just, <laughs> in his real life, is he really screaming at people like that in a non-ironic way? That's the thing. I, I can't tell. Is it a character or is that who he is? Because if it's who he mm-hmm. is, I don't know if I like that. I kind of uh, like it if he's if he's just screaming at people all the time about sharks and snakes and stuff. I'm, I, I don't <laughs> I know. I kind of like that yeah. even better. Yeah. Okay. I think he gets in two out of three at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll vote yes. I'll vote yes. Yeah. Wow. That's four quality inductees this time around. If you have a nominee, we're always open to hearing them. Just shoot us an email, and we will try to debate them. Join the VIP club for mm-hmm. the ability yeah. to actually vote and bring real nominees to the table. But uh, who knows? Yeah. You can influence the party somehow with um, with that. So Stephen King, Mark Hamill, Samuel L. Jackson, and Richard? Richard Barden. 
American Treasure Richard Barton. He fell asleep. <laughs> Ted Danson. I'm sorry, I was mute. I was muted. I forgot <laughs> I was okay. muted. Yeah, uh, Ted, Ted Danson. Danson. I was sitting um, here yelling Ted Danson, and my neighbors are <laughs> very upset. Ted Danson! <laughs> You do that every night, though. That is true. That's different. Well, normally it's <laughs> normally it's uh, it's normally Sam Malone because I have a weird oh, cheers okay. thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we shall move on. Congrats to the AT. See you at the after party, and uh, we'll talk Coco right now. All right. So Pixar's Coco comes to us as the second Pixar movie of the year, next to Cars Three, which we had mentioned previously. This leading into their next film, The Incredibles 2. And uh, I guess this is probably the most original property that Pixar has brought to the table in quite some time. Um, Non-sequel, non-prequel of any kind. And it's been a while since we've seen uh, something super... I guess Inside Out was original, but uh, they've been definitely in the past since 2010 been in the sequel business and uh, they don't seem to be stopping that anytime soon with the Incredibles two coming out next summer. But all, all that to say, I always really look forward to Pixar's movies. Uh, I think their product has been a little bit watered down in the past since 2010 because of the acquisition with Disney and how Disney's kind of taken a lot of the assets from Pixar and moved them to their own Disney animation studios proper projects and things like that. And, um, their movies like Wreck-It Ralph and frozen and things like that have done extremely in Moana and, uh, all their stuff in the past since the acquisition really has been, uh, has been good. So I think the line has been blurred between Pixar and Disney, uh, for Disney's benefit, but not for the benefit of Pixar because, um, it's harder and harder for them to stick out. It used to be their stuff was so different and so original compared to the other animation that's out there that it was a shoe in for the best animated uh, feature Oscar and all this critical acclaim and, and all this money. But now every animated movie is done with computers and they all have great voice casts and they all have super innovative and fun storylines. So it's harder for them to be Pixar-y, but uh, Coco is definitely something that I would think Pixar would be doing. Uh, this this subject matter was actually tried last year, I think, or two years ago with The Book of Life. Guillermo del Toro tried to do a Day of the Dead-themed animated movie. It didn't do too well. Um, and so Pixar... But his tequila it, crushed it, so... Right. You win know, some, you lose some. <laughs> uh, and Pixar definitely can do something with that subject matter, I felt like, and... This is no different from any of their output. I thought this was a super strong movie. Is it their best work? That's up for debate. Is it their worst work? That's up for debate. Um, but again, it's them doing what they do best in terms of giving us original, fun, and innovative animation. So I'm, uh, I'm generally on the positive with this one, but I'm excited to talk about it with you. Um, Richard, go ahead and go next. General thoughts. Yeah, I'm probably the least pixar person uh, here on this on this panel. Um, I have complete kind of intellectual um, respect for what they've done as a studio. A lot of these films are just inarguably great films. And especially uh, when it comes to story, I think they, if you want to really learn 
how to write solid story. I think there's no better way to do that than Pixar over the last 25 years. You know, it's just, it's just uh really stellar stuff. And, it, and it's some of the smartest filmmaking we have. Um, there's something though. It's just the gene I'm missing. It's the st- same reason Spielberg or something like ET doesn't connect with me. Well, I can, and I know we, we got like a weird, uh, complaint about this. Like I, like I should say that these are bad movies, but I can't do that. I, I intellectually understand they are bad movies, but there is something about that kind of Spielbergian or Pixarian note of sentimentality. Um, while it's true and not false and is honest, I don't enjoy that feeling when watching a movie, something about that. Like, I, I don't know if it's like repressed. Emo- I don't like to feel. <laughs> and so, um, it's hard for me to like, I never get excited for these things, even though like my brain is like really, especially, I mean, this movie is so gorgeous. Every frame of it is, it's, I think the best animation I've ever seen. Um, with, uh, aside from, um, Aside from Doug, but uh, Doug, Doug the movie though, not, Doug the movie. That's yeah, where they really they have the budget. Yeah, you know, yeah, they have to have the budget. Uh, Skeeter was, I mean, I was super yeah, stoked, but he came yeah. to life. Yeah, no, no, um, no. But this is a beautiful, uh, incredibly personal and lovely film. Um, but like all the things that Brian's going to talk about that hits true to him <laughs> i don't get i i don't i feel that it's not that i don't feel it i don't find that enjoyable or like a pleasurable film watching experience so i watch the whole thing with my shoulders up i hate feeling sad i hate <laughs> that even though i recognize that it's important and all of that and what's weird is i love sadness and other things but when it comes to like popcorn <laughs> entertainment that particular type of it just gives me a lot of anxiety so i can't say i enjoyed every minute in the thing but I think this is a really special movie and to a lot of people will be, I can see this being a favorite movie of the year. I think it's, it's, you know, it's certainly one of the most well-made movies of the year, but it will not be in my top 10 list if that makes any sense. But, but Mm -hmm. when we come to grades, when I give it a good grade, like I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to say I did not care for this. So this sucks. Like I understand that it's great. It's just like, I have this weird, like you have no Irish Catholic gene yeah. where like the minute I start feeling <laughs> you're dead just, inside. Yeah. yeah. I'm all my, right. speaking of dead relatives, they all come to me and say, just, just drink something. <laughs> You'll, you don't need to feel this, you know? So we have a different, uh, we have a different, uh, past, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Brian. Yeah. I, my, uh, Lindsay, my wife is that way. She doesn't want to feel things in, in a movie uh, or a TV show or whatever. Um, and I'm kind of the opposite. I don't, I don't want to feel things in real life. I would rather feel them through the movies. Uh, cause I, I love this. I was, um, I don't think it's like the top tier of Pixar movies, but I, that's a very difficult, um, nut to crack essentially. I mean, I, I think, I think there are like six or seven best movies are some of the six or seven best movies that we've, you know, we've had over the last 20 years. And so, uh, this one, uh, you mentioned Richard, it looks incredible. Um, it's just a, it's a beautiful scenescape and, um, the characters look awesome and, and, um, you know, the settings and the backgrounds and all this stuff, it looks amazing. Um, and then, you know, the subject matter, hit me very well. I, it got, I, I'm always amazed that Pixar is able to handle human emotions the way they do without having like real life humans on screen. And sometimes that's, 
it's maybe even more amazing when they can do things like that with um, robots like in Wally or uh, toys and Toy Story or things like that. But this is kind of, you know, it falls into the same category of like, there's not a real human on the screen and I'm um, just this emotionally involved. And I feel, I just love how they can tackle all of these different sentiments and um, struggles and concepts and stuff. And it's almost like a... I don't want to say an excuse, but like it's almost like permission to feel things for some people who maybe struggle to um, put that out there in in real life. So for me, it's you know I love I thought the music was great. I loved um, I loved the setting. I thought it was a great way to use um, use what the the way they did, and you know um, I, this this comes out at Thanksgiving and and holidays and whatnot, and I'm. I am at this moment, like kind of watching my grandmother die and it's, you know, slow and not particularly pleasant. And, um, so now, you know, then I'm sitting in this theater and it's, that's a central, that's not really a spoiler. That's, that's a central theme of, of the movie is, is watching people you love age and, um, maybe become less than what you remember them as and such. And so that was, I wouldn't it was it definitely was like kind of a conduit to kind of go through some of those emotions in the middle of a movie theater in a public place as everybody around me is like what's the matter with this guy but um but no I, it was it was really well done and very heartfelt and genuine and and also quite funny and and I I thought they did a great job um with the you know getting the culture right and uh yeah I'm 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 very high on it very very good I thought it was one of the more genuinely heartfelt Pixar movies that I've seen in a long time. And that's saying mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. But even with Inside Out, you feel like there's still something a bit manufactured with the um, the emotions are so they're so I mean individual. They're they were characters. I mean they're action figures, right? I mean there is there's even something commercial about a movie as that that's literally about emotions, right? But there was something so genuine about a story about a Mexican family and a little boy who is so much younger than all the people around him and all his elders. And his elders don't understand what it's like to be young and to be a kid with heart and dreams, you know? And the the whole thing about wanting to grow up on your own and do your own thing and mm-hmm. be your own person, but then mix that with music. And then mix that with Dia de los Muertos and the entire iconography and imagery of that. I mean, it's animation gold. And like Richard said, this is among the best animation I've seen on screen. Um, Moana mm-hmm. last year, I thought was maybe the best I'd ever seen. But mm-hmm. but this is up there. I still think How to Train Your Dragon too. Believe it or not, that always sticks out in my mind when I think of great animation. I just love that movie and and uh, and what what DreamWorks was able to do with that. But Pixar always pushes the envelope with animation. That's something you can never, you can never doubt them to do is uh, push the envelope when it comes to what we can do with, uh, with photorealism. I've already seen screenshots from the Incredibles, just that teaser of like people that have zoomed in on the screenshots of the Incredibles teaser. I like, look at this animation, like look how real this fabric looks and things like that. Like I, they're, they are consistently pushing the envelope when it comes to what they can do with uh, mm-hmm. with animated films, and so uh, 
anything, you know, other than that, I found myself in this movie just looking at every frame, just looking at the animation, how the characters move, how they're constructed, how they're designed, uh, the color palette that they use in the film, the lighting, the the hair, you know, the all the textures and everything. I just found myself super immersed in this world. And uh, so above all, whether the story works for you or not, I think it works, like Richard said, on a purely uh, filmmaking standpoint, I guess, if I can put it into layman's mm-hmm. terms as best I can, uh, as something that is visually pleasing to the eye and that most people can at least, you know, even if it's muted, I think you would enjoy what you're seeing. So it's got that going for it. But I'm with you, Brian. I really enjoyed this story a lot. I felt for this kid. Uh, the mm-hmm. actor that they got to play Miguel was fantastic. I forgot his name, but uh, Lee Unkirk was uh, was tweeting about him a lot. And they were doing recording for this up until a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago, I believe, and changing the dialogue. Uh, but Anthony Gonzalez. Anthony, I knew, I knew yeah. it was Gonzalez, but I didn't know his first name. I didn't want to butcher it. Mm-hmm. Um and and so I think the key with this is just super authentic voice cast. I mean, this is all uh, uh, besides John Ratzenberger. I think has one line in it, but that's just because of superstition. <laughs> He's been in every Pixar movie, and they didn't want to break the streak, so I think he has one line, and it's a throwaway, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But to have an entire uh, Mexican American cast or Latina Latino Latina cast is great. And they, I, I saw a metric that was thrown out there about this which was that mexico was one of the biggest countries for pixar movies internationally mm. randomly you know and they had a huge market there that they were they were weren't really taking advantage of so and this might seem like a cash grab in that sense but it's super authentic to hey there's a lot of culture down there that we can tell stories about and that are interesting it's not only about us here in america with our picket fence and you grew up with this one toy that you have to give away now, you know, like there's definitely different experiences out there. And I, I think that maybe Dia de los Muertos is, is only, I, I think I remember in Spanish class, Richard, you might remember this. I don't know if you're in Spanish. I think you're in French actually. Um, but French, French, baby. There was some movie Forever. that they tried to show us a live action movie about day of the dead. And it was like, what is this? You know, <laughs> like, I really think you can only do it in animation and explain what it's about and um, the kind of symbolism there and also the uh, spirituality and everything. Um, I thought this, this did a great job of both informing us about it and also paying honor to it without disrespecting the holiday or the dead or anything like that. So what did you think about that, Brian? Yeah. And that was, I think that's one of the better parts, you know, we Moana last year, really yes, touched yeah. on um, culture. a culture that has been mis- un- not misrepresented as much as underrepresented. And it's the same thing here. And I, gosh, I love the, the authenticity of that. And, you know, I saw several tweets talking from, um, from Hispanic people and Mexican Americans and whatnot talking about the, um, the importance of mariachi music in their culture and how here, for the most part, it's it's a joke. It's always used as a punchline, um, and and this this is and it, the truth is, it can be a very you know a beautiful type of music if it's you know done correctly. And and this got that right. And so you, I think you blend those two things together, and um, and then you you know the fact that that like you said, can everybody in the cast is 
is uh is authentic to to the culture and whatnot that's it's awesome and it and it it I don't know. It gives you a, it gives idiots like us kind of a, a glimpse into, into that culture in a, I don't want to say a non-threatening way. Cause that's, that's not the right terminology, but like in through a medium that is very easy to, um, appreciate and accept. And then like you come out and like, man, I kind of know a little bit more about this, you know, the, about the day of the dead and whatnot. And that I think is, I think that's great. And then more so that, that that is happening for for kiddos. Like I took Coop yep. to see this with me. He had a blast. He loved it. Um, and certainly he doesn't understand everything culturally that's being shown on screen. But that's you know that doesn't really matter so much as that's an introduction to uh, to that culture that we didn't have when we were kids. And so and I love that. I think that they've done a great job of trying over the last few years, like this culture of of uh, inclusivity and equality and whatnot. Um, obviously we have so far to go in pretty much every walk of that, but you see a movie like this, you see a movie like Moana and you feel like, okay, we're starting to get it. We're starting to see how we can branch out and how we can shine a light on other cultures and, and all that sort of stuff. So anyway, yeah, I thought, I thought it was a beautiful way to, um, I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think it would have been very easy to make this movie a cash grab, and make it kind of, um, I don't want to say on the nose, but like a little less organic and a little more, hey, we've got to have inclusivity, guys. And then it completely defeats the purpose, right? Like yeah. you need it to be, you need it to be organic, you need to be authentic, and you need it to be good in order to kind of make the case that you're trying to make. And, you know, nothing, even at their worst, Pixar doesn't do anything half-heartedly you know and this is i think another example of just like no we're gonna do this um we're gonna do this the right way we're gonna do it kind of the pixar way and and it's obviously we're all i think we're all the better for that yeah you mentioned the the music and the influence of the music they brought in a lot of extremely famous mexican uh, artists and different genres of musicians as consultants and writers on the movie uh they definitely did their research in terms of the uh the the mexican you know historical figures that they feature in the film like Frida Kahlo and even Ernest, mm-hmm. Ernesto de la Cruz is ba- based on Pedro Infante who is a similar character and so it, it was it was not only about let's make a movie about day of the dead but more about let's pay homage to the culture and, sh- and show show everyone mm-hmm. how how much culture there is to their culture i don't know if that makes sense sure. but um yeah, yeah. it's really you. it's really really cool to see and it makes me want to go on vacation there honestly it's weird <laughs> to say that but um it's really it does a it does a great job of uh of shedding light on that and i really appreciate that so uh mm-hmm. this is a fall film for pixar it's a it's a fall release usually they're sure. known for the big blockbuster releases so the last fall release we had was a good dinosaur in 2015 mm. And uh, that was not as well received as Inside Out, which came out that same right. year. They did not do it any mm-hmm. much more of a service by putting it out in the same year. So, mm-hmm. so they took a year off between 2013, which was Monsters University and Inside Out. They didn't release anything in 2014, and they released two in 2015 and one last year. But that was the last fall release they had had uh, since The Incredibles, which was 2004. 
that mm-hmm. came out in the fall of that year. So yeah. it's definitely different for them. Uh, but I think it's perfect because Day of the Dead is November 1st, and they, they obviously the press tour and the release is surrounding that, and it's it just makes it more authentic. There you go. It's yeah, right around agreed. that time of year. It would have felt weird if this came out in summer and it's about Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like we were talking about the mummy coming out in June. <laughs> it should have been a, sure. a Halloween thing, uh, but it wasn't. So in terms of uh, Pixar, we're known. it's known for the sentimentality, right? It's, you're known, mm-hmm. Their movies are known to tug at the heartstrings, always. Yeah, but they're also known to make us laugh. How much did this one make you laugh compared to the others? I think this one, for me, worked more on the tug at the heartstrings level than it did for humor. It had some funnier moments. Yeah. It wasn't among their funniest, funnier films. I don't think it was trying to be, but the stuff outside of the uh, land of the dead or, or after he uh, actually becomes half dead or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. Miguel, I love the stuff of him and his real family and in their yeah. house and his grandma and his mom yelling at him all the time about no music and all that. I love that mm-hmm. stuff. I think that stuff works the best out of the movie and it kind of has to, to make it when he has that wizard of Oz goes to the other land I miss my family moments and things. It has to work. Mm-hmm. You have to actually, when he comes back or when it, when you have that redemption, it has to work. But I thought his home life and all that stuff was just beautiful. And um, it it was, I was maybe creeped out because I was like, is this motion capture? Because some of the yeah, animation was, was so good. It was just like blow, blew me away. The facial expressions and the skin and everything was incredible. So, uh, Gosh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. A lot more of the humor in this one was um was like kind of more sight gags and stuff. With the dog, less, yeah, like like yeah, slapsticky yeah, less kind of dialogue, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um which was I mean, which is fine. It it did enough to kind of keep it from becoming I was a little concerned taking Coop that it was going to be like he was going to be creeped out by it. Um but there was enough he loves physical humor. He's like, if I showed him Tommy Boy, he would probably just laugh for days or any Melissa McCarthy movie. But um, he, so all the like the little gags with the skeletons and their jaw falling off or uh, things like that, he really enjoyed. But it's it's much more. I think most much more of the jokes were based on sight rather than you know a, a, a dialogue or, or a line or something like that. And and that was you know that. But I think it worked for the film. Speaking of Coop. Man, I'll just say it. I'll, I'll just say it. I'm I'm totally out on Frozen. Done. Can't do it. <laughs> it, it that, that Frozen short made me want to not have kids for another 10 years. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Beating, dude. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll get a little fun short. Oh, maybe a song. Okay, cool. There's the song. All right, cool. Maybe yeah. just a few more jokes and we'll get out of here. You know, we'll watch the Pixar movie. Oh, okay, here's another song. Okay, cool. Well, once this song is over, then... You know, we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up and we'll get we'll watch Coco. Uh, you know, now. Oh, here's another song. It just, that thing had been thirty minutes. I was like, yeah, it was what? Like twenty five minutes long, dude. It's way too Brian long. Brian warned way me. Too Holy long. moly, yeah, I was like, dude! Get there thirty minutes late. I did, and it was all awesome. dude. I cannot. <laughs> all I, I almost left. I walked in. I almost. So that was tough. <laughs> I'm not even playing. It was not even funny. It wasn't. The songs weren't good. I was like, this is. I don't know if I could do Frozen Two at all. Frozen One was fine, but. I mean, I'm used to a short film. We're in here for two and a half minutes, yeah. and we're, that's, we're, that's we're going to watch problem. the movie. Yeah. It's like, don't... Just, yeah, That was rough. Just If you're going to do that, just save that all for Frozen 2. Yeah, no put it one, on Disney no Channel. One wants, yeah, well, no, one wa- no one wants a 25-minute short, quote-unquote, short film before 
before a movie, especially, especially anybody who's going with kids. Cause like, I know how long Cooper's attention span is. I know how long he can sit without going to the bathroom, like all that stuff. And so I, I planned like, okay, I know there's, I know there's a short. If I get there at this time, we'll probably just see like one trailer and then the short, and then we'll be able to watch the movie. And then we got there just in time for the short and it's 30 minutes. And of course, lo and behold, like 10 minutes before the movie's over, I'd take him to the bathroom, you know, stuff like that. We're just like, come on that you're, you're Disney. You're supposed to know what parents are going to be looking for. It's, it's just way too long, way too long. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, I think this movie was a bit too long. That's my only, not my only complaint, but that's one of my complaints. It's it's about ten or fifteen too long. Uh, I I mean I it was fine for me because I'm an adult. I can deal with the storyline about Day of the Dead fine. I don't know how well a three year old's going to care for an hour and ten minutes or whatever hour twenty minutes about uh, this movie. Like I I I felt a little bit rest a little bit of restlessness happening in my theater um, mm. towards the end of this one, and so that's maybe the only thing I could probably say on the negative as far as that goes but uh man really like that uh i was always wondering how are they going to do day of the dead because it's kind of a scary holiday right it's called right right day, they don't really even call it that in the movie they call it dia dia de muertos they don't even call it los muertos, de los muertos dia, yeah. dia de muertos and uh how i was like how are they going to get the skulls to work and not scare children right mm-hmm. and I read that that was one of Pixar's biggest challenges with this film was how are they going to get emotion out of skulls because they don't have eyes, they don't have skin and everything, every one of them looks the same. So I thought, I thought they did a really good job in the character design of, of the sugar skulls and the ancestors and all that. What did you guys mm-hmm. think about the, uh, the, the non real world aspect of this, the imaginary stuff? Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, that to me, I mean, as someone that, uh, you know, the sentimentality is a bit lost on, it was spellbinding just visually. I felt, Mm -hmm. uh, completely, uh, I would, I could watch that to just like a musical score and, and really enjoy myself if that makes, if that makes sense. It's just, Mm -hmm. uh, it was almost Fantasian and and that's kind of beauty. They said the, um, the actual city of the dead, that was the kind of, slum city with all the lights and painting colors and everything that's uh super wide he said there's over seven or was it seven million individual light sources or something in those shots crazy um i can't imagine the rendering time on those and everything that, that basically basically what i'm saying is it was the most complex animation they'd ever done at pixar up to that point um so i like i said that's what you can expect for them to push their boundaries on what they can do. They're not just going to mail it in and say, we can make it look good. We're, we're, we can do this. They always try to see um, how much further they can push it. So I always appreciate that. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is though, I should mention that it's one of the more expensive Pixar movies. And it kind of shocked me at the, uh, at the budget of this, but with the Mexico, tie-in you would think internationally this would do pretty well and have more of an international appeal definitely than it would here in terms of uh it's a worldwide box office pull so it'll be interesting to see how much money this makes overall i mean it's done pretty well here so far but Mm -hmm. it it certainly hasn't made its money back it's only made 150 million so far 
which is good. Yeah. That's worldwide though. It's it costs two hundred million yeah. to make though. Right. But it had the I think the fourth highest open Thanksgiving weekend of all time. Um great. And it certainly hasn't hit all the markets yet, so it'll it'll be fine. And word of mouth on this is gonna be really strong. And there's not a I mean, on it there's not another um like wide release movie coming out until Star Wars. So you've got two solid weeks in which to uh to pick up some some extra cash based on based on word of mouth, which will be big for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh I okay. So let's talk about the plot here. The ofrenda or their little shrine to their ancestors mm-hmm. has at the top of it a picture of Miguel, who's our main character's great grandma. Mm-hmm. And she great 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 grandma. And she is pictured with her husband who was a musician of some kind but his face is torn mm-hmm. off but you see his guitar and uh, we don't know who that man is but we know he was a famous musician but he he screwed some people over he screwed their family over they don't speak of his name and but meanwhile miguel is conflicted because he has this passion for music and he has this talent for music as well and uh but his family is trying to silence his ability they don't want him to go down that path and end up like that awful, awful man from the past. Uh, I really like all that. musicians are awful, as yeah. we all know. The scenes with Miguel by himself, playing, listening to the music and playing the guitar, and his little mm-hmm. shrine he made to Ernesto was awesome. Loved it, and man, the, he was playing exactly what you were hearing on guitar. I mean, like mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. the close-up yeah. shots of his fingers. Yeah, that was on the, crazy. They, I mean, it was like perfect. And I saw that they did do reference photography for that of the guy, the, like the actual musician playing it so that they were matching it up perfectly. But those little things like that, the attention to detail that I really appreciate about Pixar. But that it made me want to see this movie again just from a musical perspective. Like you're actually watching somebody very talented play the guitar instead of like watching an animated character strum along or whatever. So that was really cool. Um, So... Yeah, he wants to become a musician, but his parents won't let him. And so he has to get the blessing of somebody to become a musician, of one of his family members, right? Isn't that it? One of his ancestors? He has to get the blessing to come back to the real world. That's the deal. But he's looking for it from his, yeah, from his grandfather because his grandmother is the, or his great-great-grandfather because his great-great-grandmother is the one who has been scorned and doesn't want him to play music. Yeah, that's what I tell Cooper every day. Don't don't play. How dare you? Don't touch that guitar. The first yeah. opening, the opening scene where they actually do the little. I can play Crash for him if you want. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> you can. Crash into me. Uh, the, the opening kind of expositiony scene at the beginning that they do on the tapestries, the cutouts of the tapestries. That was really really cool. I don't know if that's how traditional that is, but I, I thought that was a cool way for them to tell the prequel story of this or the prologue um, of this. That was really innovative and fun. Um, So a lot of themes here. Seize your moment is a big theme. Um, Remember me is the big song. I thought it was a really, really good song. I'm sure it'll be nominated for multiple song of the year. Best original song. Thanks. Mm -hmm, Don't you think? mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. No question. Yeah, that's uh, it's as strong as strong as any 
uh, Disney songs that I've heard in the past few years. And there's a scene at the end where they're singing it, and it's it tugs at the heartstrings. Powerful, yeah, really good, really really good. Um, also, the the talent show sequence in the actual Lane of the Dead was funny, where they all the different people are mm-hmm. are playing the different genres of music all really really quickly. I thought that was funny, but he doesn't want to be forgotten, right? Nobody wants mm. to be forgotten. That's the whole thing with the Land of the Dead when he meets his Hector, right? Uh, when he meets Hector, Hector wants him to take his picture back to back to Earth or back to uh, reality and remember him every year on the Day of the Dead so that he can be remembered because nobody wants to die and be forgotten. I thought that was a pretty, really, really powerful uh, message for mm. a children's film. That's the main message is remember your dead ancestors and remember where you came from essentially. Yeah. 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 Though they was very, yeah, I think that's one and of the central for Lee, for Lee Unkrich to, to go to Pixar and say, here's what the movie's about the day of the dead and all, all of his dead ancestors. And he wants to be a musician, but nobody in his family wants him to be one. And that's the movie. I mean, mm-hmm. it's more than that, obviously, but that's the pitch, right? And, sure. uh, I mean, you knocked it out of the park on when that mm-hmm. comes mm-hmm. to that, but yeah, very powerful, very powerful, uh, message. What was the message you guys got from this, from this movie? If you were to, if you were to thesisize this thing, what is the, what is sure. it? You know, I think they're trying to, what you said was spot on. It's, it's also about kind of the, the importance and the power of, of family, um, and whatever your family is, whether that's blood or not. But, um, yeah, I think you know, your people is very, is a big part of it. And, um, and, uh, yeah, there was the, the concept of not wanting to be forgotten was really, they, I thought they nailed that, that idea without hitting it over the head too hard. Like you, when the song is called, remember me, and that's a central theme and you keep bringing it up, you would think that at some point you'd be like, okay guys, we get it. Um, but instead I, I, you know, in to me in true Pixar form, they handled that with a lot of grace and, um, and kept it from becoming, yeah. you know, a beat over the head kind of message. And another th- central theme is just the power of music and how Miguel was willing to give it all up for music and to follow his dream, right? Everyone told him not to, and he goes to the shrine or whatever it is and takes the guitar to go play at the uh, talent show in order to hopefully get discovered and be a famous musician. Like he abandoned his entire family for that dream, the chase of that dream. And, uh, so it's about following your dreams too, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought this was one of the better soundtracks I've ever heard. Better, better original scores fit sure. everything perfectly. It's right up there with Moana. I think it's better than Moana actually. But, uh, I think some of the songs Moana were better. Some of the songs lyrics, because there were probably more of them, but uh, they, in terms of the score, I enjoyed this a lot more than that. Okay. Okay. Uh, what else? Oh. So, um, can we go to spoilers now? I guess spoilers. Yeah, let's do it. Spoilers right now for Coco. So the Hector character, who's a totally endearing, right? And totally, you're mm. rooting for him and everything. But also is Ernesto, right? This Ernesto is who Miguel wants to be. But when you find out the whole reveal of who they are and that 
Ernesto like <laughs> the mur- like murdered yeah. Hector pretty much. Uh-huh. You're yeah. like, what? It's real dark, real fast. Like, it's yeah. like he poisoned yeah. him. I was like, this did not just happen. It happened so fast. And he's just like, let me tell you the truth about Ernesto. He killed me. He murdered me. And you're like, wow. That that got and he's like, Wow, I hate Ernesto now. And then he but then of course Miguel finds out that Hector is his real great grandfather, <laughs> super powerful, great reveal. And yeah. uh I didn't really see that one coming at all. No, I, no, same I, here. I, I found I thought they that they would just see that Miguel was a talented musician and be like, Oh, you have the power of music. That mm-hmm. is great. And they would have just more been more of accepting of him, not like uh this whole thing with the with Hector. I thought that was a great again, a great twist reveal and all that. But but sure. really dark. Yeah, it was. It was a little dark. Uh didn't didn't quite see that coming. Um both parts of that I thought were perfectly executed. I love when a movie takes a character and keeps the character the same way, like doesn't change anything about that character, but basically just changes either the information you know about him or her or um, like kind of upturns your, your, uh, your view of him without changing the character. I think that's such a cool move. Um, our friend Jason, great example of this in Juno, Jason Bateman's character in Juno goes from like total cool guy to just total awful, terrible person in the span of 30 minutes and nothing about him changes. It's just the information you find out about him. And that was kind of how I thought that's how they did Ernesto. It's he's the same person. It's just that his, uh, his, you know, do whatever it takes to, to reach your dreams. Uh, turns out that he'll murder somebody to make that happen. And it's, that totally changes your perspective on him without changing his character. And then the flip of that with, with, uh, you know, with Miguel unfolding the, the picture and finding out that the guitar is actually, you know, is part of is, is actually, uh, Hector's and whatnot is that was such a, touching powerful because you you know you're watching this kid and you're rooting for him and you you know again it's it's so in some ways it's so dumb because it's a cartoon but i'm super rooting for this kid because he's as much as anything else he's in a family that doesn't understand what you know what he loves and what he wants to be and all this sort of stuff and you're just like can you give and now he finally has somebody that does believe in him that does understand and then that person turns out to be a murderer who basically tries to murder him and then to have (laughs) to have that um that kind of moment of that turn and that twist and to find out that his his uh is actually hector is his great great grandfather and stuff was I it's very dumb and lame, but I I think I audibly gasped, and I wasn't the only person in the theater. Like it very quickly went, <gasps> you know, everybody started to realize what was happening, and Coop uh, turned to me and was like, "What, you know, <laughs> what's going on here?" And so I had to explain to him. But I thought that was such a such a great twist and such a heart touching moment for that character to like finally have um something positive you know some some family member that understands and that's that's such a cool thing i agree i also like how they call the characters like abuela and papa and mama and stuff that's just authentic to right the family and not trying to be any it's, it's not trying to be about anything less than this one family and i really like that mm-hmm. um so the end Oh, with Mama Coco, or uh, woo, it was rough. A little, it was little dusty. It was good. Yeah. It was it was rough in a good way. It's not like she doesn't die or anything, but uh, the discovery 
of Hector and the picture and everything was, uh, and they sing the song together. That's what I was referring to earlier is uh, super effective. And Mm -hmm. uh, just the note you want to hit at the end of this thing. So perfect, perfect ending and uh, super strong movie. It's among Pixar's best work. Um, I will say Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, like you said about where this ends up box office wise. Uh, Cars 3 made $380 million. Um, Finding Dory made a billion. <laughs> yeah, it's not um, going to do that. I yeah, don't think, Good but. Dinosaur made 300 Inside Out made 800 Monsters U made 700 I would say it would be between 5 and 7 Yeah, uh, Brave Brave made 5 and Up made 7 So I could see it between, between somewhere in there. It's made almost 200 so far. Um, but the only billion dollar movies that Pixar has made, Finding Nemo made almost a billion, made 800 million un- unadjusted. And then Toy Story 3 and Finding Dory are the only billion dollar movies that they've mm. made so far. But uh, that remains to be you seen. You understand why they're in the sequel game when you see those stats. Mm-hmm. You're like, yep, yep that makes exactly. sense. Yep. Cars, th- Cars has not made that much. I thought Cars yeah, was like well. a machine. Cars 2 made 500, Cars 3 made. 300 i mean that's good but it's slightly better than what cars made it's a low-end product but we as we've said before the reason you make cars movies is to merchandise because kids kids eat that stuff up so i'm sure they've made a you know several billion dollars just off of the merchandise side of it so pixar animation studios has made 19 full-length movies so far, I could have sworn it was more than that, but uh, it's not. But with all the sequels, it feels like one movie or one property. Um, so I've ranked mine, and right now, on my list, I've slotted Coco as the ninth best Pixar movie. Um, and okay. that's slightly above halfway. Um, my top ten Pixar movies go Ratatouille at ten, Coco, Monsters, Inc., The Incredibles, Inside Out, then the top five is Toy Story 3, Up, Toy Story, Wally, and Toy Story 2. So all three Toy Stories in the top five for me, and um, Wally and Up in the top five as well. I think those are just the, the pinnacle of what Pixar has done. And then the rounding out my bottom ten is uh, Finding Nemo, Finding Dory. Both of those are in there, as well as Brave, The Good Dinosaur, all three Cars movies, Monsters U, and... Very dead last, a bug's life. Can't stand it. <laughs> needs needs to disappear forever. Uh, so that's my. Where, what about you guys? Where does this rank for you on your uh, in terms of Pixar? Uh, for me, I, I didn't put in the thought too much before, and I'll do the same on Letterbox. Can't that's a good idea? Um, to me, like the top six, in kind of, I'm not even sure what order I would go in, but it's it's like. Toy Story, Toy Story 3, Wally, Inside Out, Incredibles, and Up. I think that's pretty, in whatever order I would put them in, ultimately, I think those are all ahead of Coco. I think I'd have Coco uh, at, at seven, whatever. I don't know, like, like I said, I don't know what's one and what's six, but that's my top six, and I think this falls right underneath that that group of films for me. Yeah, it was tough for me between Monsters, Inc. and Coco. 
Yeah, I think that would be my. I think I would go Coco Seven and probably Monsters Inc. Eight if I had to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, off the top of my head, RB uh, Dead Inside. But where would you? Uh, where would you rank these? Oh man, it's hard for me. I would say I. Um, I love Wally and Up. Probably are my two favorite. This would probably be like fifth for me of my Pixar list. Um, Incredibles, mm-hmm. I like to never. I mean, obviously they're great again, but I've never been a Toy Story guy. Even when I was a kid, I didn't, it would be on at daycare and I would ignore it. Just never caught my fancy. I don't know why. Get back uh, to your Hemingway. No, no, no. I mean, just <laughs> there were no starting lineups in it. So it was just like, what are these toys? I don't know these toys. I only know starting lineups. Um, so, um, which is sadly, sadly true. And um, that would make Toy Story better. If there's like a Patrick Ewing that's yeah, Ken Griffey Jr. stapled to it. Tony yeah. Gwynn. Oh, yeah. Let's start sobbing. There we go. Yeah. He can't move very well. He's got the bass. He's kind of got to waddle around. Yeah. So yeah, no, but this is definitely top tier. I mean, it's it's better than some of the it's the best well, Inside Out was good. This oh, is man. I don't know. It's probably the best or second best if you count Inside Out it Pixar we've done on the podcast for sure. Mm. Yeah, man. They had a they had an incredible run. I mean, they had Wally up and Toy Story Three, three in a row. I mean, that's that's as good of a run as you're gonna see any animation studio put out and um it's been it's been rough lately like i said but uh coco is definitely a step in the right direction i'm excited for the incredibles too i'm excited to see what they're going to announce well, soon yeah what's the word on the toy, only, story, toy story 4 now is that halted or well, I know. Sheeta jones dropped out but early yeah and last i don't know what break. john lassiter is he's with disney though he's not really with Toy Story. Yeah, but he comes over for... He's out for, on both. So. Yeah, yeah, he's but out. He comes over for Toy Stories, but yeah, I think he's gone now. Lee Unkrich Yeah, he was directed, a, yeah, assistant Story director 3. on that. Yeah. Uh, so Lee Lee might do... Might step in for this. I don't know. Um, yeah, Toy Story 4 might be on hold indefinitely at, at this point. But um, they, the only one that they've got really is Incredibles 2, which is this coming summer. And um, I'm sure they, they're going to announce stuff very, very soon. Surprised they didn't do it this week, honestly. After Coco came out, but um, mm. maybe at Disney's next shareholders meeting, we'll we'll find out what Pixar is going to be up to. Um, so next sequel, let's bet on it. Um, huh. Finding Nemo three. <laughs> yeah, they've kind of run. I don't want to say they've run out, but they've you know they've kind of they've done the sequel bit sure inside out two could make sense i guess as she grows up and stuff it's you know whatever but i it does seem like they're once they get incredibles two and toy story four out then the next few things are are more i think it's it's primed for a an original couple of films but we'll see yeah you you know about the lunch right that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's an incredible story no pun intended about uh, basically they after Toy Story was finishing up they all went like four of the Pixar guys went out like, it, who was it it was John Lasseter Lee Unkrich uh, uh, Andrew Stanton Brad Bird maybe somebody like that all went out to go eat lunch and then they in that one lunch they came up with the ideas for Monsters Inc A Bug's Life Wally and um, The Incredibles, wasn't it? 
No, Finding Nemo. So, yeah. Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Yeah. Gosh. So their next four movies, aside from Wall-E, which ended up coming out later, they <laughs> came up with that in that one lunch. That's pretty amazing. Pretty um, smart. Pretty cool. Pretty smart. Guys. Weird part is it was at Arby's. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, ah. Arby's. Meats. It was a real Letterman joke by me. I like it. I just threw a blue note card behind me into the middle distance. <laughs> 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 Arby's. All right. Um. So. Yeah, I think this is. I think this is in the in the upper echelon of Pixar work. Uh, it's definitely better than the stuff we've talked about over the past few uh, times we have. Other than Inside Out, we haven't really got to talk. I think we talked Fighting Dory. We talked Monsters U. Uh, that's really about it. We haven't got to talk much of the the good stuff. Um, so, yeah, this is a step in the right direction, and loved it. And, and I'm excited to hear the soundtrack. I'm gonna have to put that on the old playlist and get that mm-hmm. going. So, Coco. I'm going to grade this out at a solid A plus for Coco. Brian. Yeah. Same for me. A plus. This is going to be a, this year's going to be tough for like a top 10 list. It's a really, we've had some really awful movies, um, but it's, it's very top heavy as well. We're probably, I, I imagine we're going to get down to that top 10 episode and I'm going to be, debating between like 22 movies trying to whittle it down to to 10 it's it's been a really strong year a plus for me richard how about you a plus in terms of quality but because i have no soul i gotta demerit it to an a so i'm gonna go Mm. solid a out of me wow just totally dead inside (laughs) you fell in love with me so (laughs) funny all right so coco go see it and if you're still listening sorry we're sorry we spoiled it for you (laughs) <laughs> but uh all right let's move on guys let's hit a weekly recommend weekly recommends all right uh richard go ahead with the recommend yeah i'm gonna recommend uh a, a movie that's on netflix a documentary that i watched uh a few uh weeks ago when i was younger uh young adolescent kid movie came out called man on the moon i was like coming out of my you know i'm born in 94 i talked about this on the solo episode so i'm like right in the jim carrey generation and uh, man on the moon came out and it was like uh right after truman show and it was like i was starting to watch more serious movies and i was really i always really for some reason my mom really liked andy kaufman so i was always interested in andy kaufman and um and so <laughs> i was abs- absolutely kind of uh transfixed by this and then there was all these rumors about it was the first time i ever heard about method acting was a uh, man on the moon about how jim carrey lived as andy kaufman for uh <clears throat> for the entirety of the shoot and i that kind of blew my mind i didn't know what that really meant or whatever so there's a new documentary out about the making of that movie called jim and andy um it's got a subtitle too um it's something about, great beyond uh, yeah jim and andy the great beyond there's another subtitle about uh what's his name uh, Tony Clifton, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jimmy and the Great Beyond. It's about it's all that footage. It's uh, it's interesting. It's weird. Um, it doesn't. It's weird because Jim Carrey produced this, and it does not make him look good at all. It kind of just makes him look like a really kind of like insane person. person. Yeah, horrible person pretending to be an artist, but really just a horrible person. Um, it's definitely a interesting watch. Um, and the the it features a really long talk, talking head of uh, of Carrie, and he's you know he just seems very lost in his place. He's kind of the classic. I think he probably has a really high. I don't mean the self diagnose. He just seems like someone that 
uh, or not self-diagnosed. I don't mean to, di- you know, diagnose. I'm no, I'm no medical doctor, but uh, seems like someone lost because he is so intelligent and so talented, and I think he he tends to introspect too much. So he mm. he dove in with this, and now is looking at it 20 years later, and and seems kind of still myth- mystified by it, and and uh, transfixed by it, and embarrassed by it, and all, all these different emotions. So it's it's interesting, but it's <clears throat> it's not. Uh, it's not a glowing portrait for sure, but it's definitely an interesting look on, you know, people, I think starting to forget, it's just like Eddie Murphy in the decade before, just how big these guys were. Jim Carrey was, I think the biggest star, you know, the biggest stars of the nineties are like Michael Jordan and, you know, uh, Jim Carrey and Tom Hanks and tiger. Right. You know? And so like, it's weird how things change. And, uh, and, uh, so it's, it's, it's certainly, uh, an interesting look of a time in a, in a movie and a, in a, and by the way, the movie turned out pretty good. It's like nightmarish as dealing with him was. Um, and the performances actually really worked and a lot of people were really upset that he didn't, he wasn't nominated that year, but it mm-hmm. shows that the process and the method quote unquote, I remember seeing Alec Baldwin one time, I think it was inside the actor studio of something. And he said, uh, cause I was always like the cool, I was kind of bought into the myth of the real serious actors. Um, our method because they have to live as you know the daniel day lewis's and that and there is something to that but baldwin was like that's all bs like <laughs> if you're a real <laughs> actor you can go in and out of character that's what acting is you know if you have to live as the character that means he doesn't you don't know how to act and uh and i've heard leo's like that too that i saw jonah hilto in an interview once he was like he was when he was working with leo they'd be super in character and then be cut he'd be like so what do we uh <laughs> you want to do for lunch and then he'd be like whoa no you're supposed to be you're leo you're supposed to live as the stockbroker he's like no i don't do any of that I'm, that's stupid. Uh, <laughs> i did get inside that horse though i just want to like, put that out there yeah. he really yeah. did yeah yeah <laughs> yeah there's there's different uh different uh levels to it i guess but yeah kent did you see it brian did you see it i i did see it and um yeah i, I mean the thing about it is though in jim's defense and he looks like I don't know what to think about it, honestly. The fact that he put his his staff through that is more than anything. Mm-hmm. Put that rather than put himself or the director, but like everybody on set that had to like witness it, I feel bad for. But he did. Uh, the director came to him was like, "I can't take it anymore." You know, he called him or whatever, and Jim said, "I can not do it. I can do an impression and not go full method with it." And the director was like, "No, never mind." And the like, director told him to keep doing it. So he did, you know, like he basically told him I can stop if you really want me to, but it might not be as good of a performance. And he's like, no, I'm good. Uh, but yeah, he just went to another level with it. And I, I think the documentary speaks for itself. Go watch it, make, make of it what you want. But I think it's worth seeing just because it's more archival footage of Jim Carrey and his prime trying to do something different. And it's, very very different and interesting and uh something like i've never seen so um it might have done better it had come out at the time i don't know nobody really knew what yeah, to I think of man on the moon at the time so really weird you know, played himself on taxi and andy's <laughs> manager that was weird that was like yeah i'm producing this movie i want to play both of these parts that was a weird demand <laughs> It's odd. I queued it up this afternoon to start it, and then uh, my kiddo got home, and I didn't feel like I could probably watch that with him in the room. I didn't know what it was going to be like, so so I will get to it at some point this week for sure. I've, we've had several people suggest it on email and Twitter and whatnot too. So, yeah, very strange, very strange indeed. Uh, go ahead and recommend something, Brian. 
Yeah, I'm gonna recommend a, an album. Um, it came out earlier earlier this year, I think like March or April, and I'd heard a couple songs on it, but I hadn't had a chance to sit down and listen to the whole thing. And I uh, did over my vacation. I had it on my uh, on my iPad to listen to on the plane and whatnot. And it's so good. And I think both of you guys will really like it as well. I, I'm always hesitant to bring up music here because I'm by far the third most educated music listener on this show. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard. Have you guys have you heard uh, The Wild Reads, The World We Built? No. Yeah. Okay. Love it. I think you'll like it, Kent. I definitely. It has like a little bit of haim to it. Um it reminded me more so, so much so that I had to like go and look to check that she wasn't in the band, but it sound, one of the singers sounds a lot like Ginny Lewis from uh, Rilo Kiley, which I love. I loved that band so much back in the day and has that same kind of uh, tone to her voice. It's really, really good. It's going to be one of my, my favorites of the year uh, by far. Um, they have a song that has like a little bit of college or indie station radio play i think called only love songs or something like that that's really good the last song on the album is called fruition and it's eight or nine minutes long and it's 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 a killer track so definitely check that out um but the whole album i think plays really really well and and uh i would i would kind of expect both of you guys to like that so check it out you the should. wild reads the world Can't, he always complains that he's not as up on music as us but he refuses to get Apple Music or Spotify, so he has to actually put things on his iPad. <laughs> I have like Amazon Music. It's fine. It's the same now. I'm just not going to pay I, for another service. I, um, that's fine. Yeah, then use Amazon Music. As long as you can have a stream I do. of music. I do. Because that's do. what you got to use to discover stuff. That's right. Oh, man. Yeah. I I, I, uh, I had Spotify for a while, but I, I've been giving Apple Music a try over the past couple of months. Um, Apple Music isn't there's a lot more glitches with my playlists and things. And it, it sometimes it it's like on shuffle and it'll play like a live version randomly instead of a regular version or it, it'll, it won't play certain songs. It's just like Apple's like infrastructure in terms of their servers and everything isn't as good as Spotify's is, but I like the design a lot more and all my songs that I purchased are already on iTunes. So I have that. Right. Um, but Man, it's so nice on a Friday to wake up and open the app and click new, and you have every new album right there, and you literally just click add to your library, and you can download it to your phone like immediately. I was like, wow, it's like actually on my phone. That's pretty amazing. Like I could, I'm on a flight later today that I'm gonna have the music on my phone. I didn't even buy it. Like that was pretty. It's pretty awesome. Like the times we're living in in terms of how available music is, but um, it is diminishing the quality of how special the products are and buying it and having the physical copies. I'm, I'm still into that, but I, I can totally admit how great and convenient streaming services have been. So what is it called again, Brian? It's called the wild reads. Wild reads. Band. Okay. It's, it's three, it's three women. So it's, it's like kind of harmonizing. Ow. With, Ow. Yeah, no, sorry, man. Um, but man, it's, it's so good. I think you'll really dig it. The album is called the world we built. I think I might, might know them. I've heard of them before, but Heim. Check mm -hmm. check out yeah. the Paul Thomas Anderson short film that he did with Haim called Valentine. It's just it's them in the studio. Oh my gosh. Check that out. That's uh that's that should be best picture winner. Like no joke. Um all right. Good recommend. So should I recommend a documentary or a TV show? That's up to you, fam. Ma'am. Wham, bam, thank you. What do you bam. what do you vote? I broke. I broke. Uh let's do I did a documentary, so you do a TV show. Okay. 
I'm going to recommend a TV show I've just gotten into on Netflix that I had on the list forever. Just now started watching it. Um, Friends from College. Have you guys seen this? Oh, I haven't, yeah. but people in my house have. It's uh, Kobe Smolders, uh, Keegan-Michael Key, and uh, Fred Savage, among other people. Super funny show. Really, really think it's hilarious. It's about people our age that are kind of like in their mid-30s, early 30s, that are still kind of keeping in touch with their friends from college, but they also have these super complicated lives of their own. And um, it is a really, really funny show. And I, I laughed very hard several times already at season one. So um, awesome. shows like this always come on Netflix, and I always like mark them to watch later. Oftentimes they're not very good. Sometimes they're great. This is uh, definitely in uh, the some of the better comedies I've seen on Netflix. Uh, really, really funny stuff. Fred Savage is he kills. Is, he's he's, another, the best he's on another level far. on this show. Yeah. Like I, I'm like, where is this coming from? Where mm-hmm. is this guy been? Yeah. Like you're honestly watching it. Like who is this guy? Um, mm-hmm. But it's super good and super funny. Uh, French from yeah. college. That's my recommend. I went back and forth on that show throughout the course of it. And always the deciding factor of like, do I like this or not? Was Fred Savage. He was so good. He's so funny on that. Absolutely. Uh, that's my recommend. I got a lot of stuff to recommend in the weeks good. to come, but that good. just means it's going to be good times. All right. Good times with Coco. Good times with ATs as well. Some fun recommends too. Yeah, good app, uh, boys. Fun times. Where can we find you online, Brian? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on all the social media at Richard Barden. You can find me at the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter, which if you're listening right when this episode comes out, will be out next week, the first week of December. Uh, you can also find the show at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and... You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, all of that. Leave us a review and a five-star review because that's always uh, – leave us a five-star review and a, a little a little blurb. Uh, that always helps go a long way. Kent, where can I find you, brother? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. Instagram, Snapchat there as well. Please add me. Keep in touch. We love it all. Uh, leave us five stars like uh, we've said. That helps grow the show. Join the VIP club for exclusive bonus episodes – fun times abilities to keep in touch with the show some amas coming up soon very 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 soon yeah and um we're excited about that so let's do a group ama on there let's do a big holiday uh group ama i'll say this on the air so we'll hold to it Uh, (laughs) we'll wear sweaters we'll all wear sweaters and all the vips can get on and they can ask us holiday questions and we'll drink cocoa (laughs) oh sweet yeah, I'm a, I'm and then a, we'll I'm sing. You the had Coco. me at Coco, yeah. and then Brian will get up, and then like, oh wait, is that a piano and a string arrangement I hear? And then he'll be like, I really can't stay. You know, it'll be heartwarming. <laughs> it's up, so uh, it's yeah. gonna be good. All right. Well, next week I think we're talking three billboards, maybe. Yeah, we get a little little curb action. Might on, I think. maybe curb your enthusiasm for somebody. Okay. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Catch up on that, and until then, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. See you. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. 
scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya, your salad is scrambled.